Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. All right, good morning, good morning. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Um, For those of you who are listening on the podcast, so newsflash, we are actually a radio network. Um, Like we have like real radio signal towers started with one in the Twin Cities 72 years ago. Um, Now we've got like live radio signals in um, well, in a bunch of places. I don't know. It's an ever-growing radio network. But sometimes people are listening to this on a, on a podcast and they're like, oh, this is a cool podcast, which we love. We love that you think this is a po- cool podcast. This is actually listener-supported radio. And so um, you're going to hear us talk from time to time about giving and generosity and the way that um, the ministry that we do here is supported through listeners like you. And so if you're listening on the podcast, um, you can give anytime. If you appreciate what's going on here and you've wondered, like, hmm, how do I support this? Like, you already subscribe. And so you're thinking, hmm, how do I, you know, kick in a little for this uh, this listening experience? Um, you know, so Carmen can ride around with me all the time. There you go. Uh, you do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Yeah. So there you go. A little encouragement. And if you're listening um, on, a, on a radio signal and you say to yourself, hmm, I really just thought this was like, you know, a little local radio show. This is actually a global media um, experience that you're engaged in. There you go. Listeners all over the world. Love it. Good morning, Belgium, by the way. I know you're listening. You always are. Um, I want to bring you up to date on Cooper Roberts. Cooper Roberts um, is an eight-year-old boy. He was one of the victims in the shooting six weeks ago, uh, the 4th of July parade just outside of Chicago. Um, he's now paralyzed. He has a lot of internal injuries as well. Um, and he's facing the reality of a very different kind of life. And his parents have been so transparent about what um, they are experiencing, what Cooper is experiencing, what Cooper's twin brother is experiencing. And so let me just encourage you um, to consider that just because something passes so quickly out of the, you know, uh, out of the news cycle, out of the media cycle, um, because we have moved on to other tragedies since the Highland Park shooting. But but the Roberts family, they are literally never going to move on. Like, it, this is now going to be every day, every minute of every day, um, life of pain and struggle and heartache and challenge. And so his physical recovery is moving forward. Um, but I want us to be praying for this family want to be us to be praying again it's the roberts family so cooper roberts is the eight-year-old boy um i want us to be because the words that are used in describing their life um and and his challenges right now anger hopelessness despair i don't want any eight-year-old to ever feel that way and so um i have been um thinking about um johnny erickson tata in particular And so I want to offer up this quote um, today as we 
consider the challenges that people around us are facing and some of us are facing. Faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the misty future. Faith is simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. And let's remember that Johnny Erickson Tata is um, a paraplegic, quadriplegic. And so when she says take the next step, it means something. How are you taking the next step today with whatever challenges you're facing? Are you taking God at his word and taking the next step in faith? So the president uh, took executive action action yesterday to forgive an additional $4 billion of student loan debt, bringing that total up to $32 billion. The president also officially signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law yesterday. Despite its name, the bill is actually expected Um, It's not expected to, nor is it even designed to help actually lower inflation in real time. Uh, And so that's important. No, Um, we're going to talk about um, things related to the culture and our experience in it as like this like financial reality that we live in and our work reality. Um, We love to talk with Bill English from Bible and business about that when we talk about like real numbers and Instead of like, you know, flashy slogans. Um, And when I say that the Inflation Reduction Act is not actually going to lower inflation in real time, I'm not making a political statement. I'm not. This is actually like math. So the model is from the Penn Wharton, um, Wharton School of Business. Um, They describe it this way. The impact on inflation just from this law, this Inflation Reduction Act, the impact on inflation is statistically indistinguishable from zero. So I'm going to ask Bill English, is statistically indistinguishable from zero pretty much zero? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Bill English is back in the house. You can find him at Bible and Business. We still Bible and Business. I should ask. Still, it still is. Bible it and is. Business. Typing it in now. Bible. Hey, good morning. Business dot com. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Hi. I am well. I am well. Listener Jessica just texted in a minute ago when she heard you were going to be on. Thrilled that she's one of the people who received your book in the mail. From Faith Radio, mm. from the last time you were, I know, isn't that fun? Great. So great. I don't think she, I don't think she's read it yet, but we'll be looking for a book report from Jessica. Well, on, you know, uh, on, on that note, I uh, just published an abridged version of my Christian theology of business ownership. I need to ship a bunch of copies over to Paul after it hits my house. And, yeah, uh, that is a great a idea. there, yeah, it's called. Well, yeah. Uh, but I, I, what I did you what you take out? What did you take out? Because I feel like an abridged edition means you know there's like juice missing. Well, there's academic juice missing. So I took <laughs> out all the all the Hebrew and Greek and a lot of the quotes, uh, but I left all the Bible verses in and the main points. And so I, I've called it, I've titled it, uh, "What the Bible Has to Say About Owning a Business." Nice. Just very straightforward. So. 
Yeah. Nice. That's good. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that conversation. Um, maybe the next time you're on, let's yeah. talk today about um, the nursing shortage. Um, there's there's actually a lot going on in terms of nursing in the Twin Cities. Um, maybe you want to brief people in on that. But um, nursing and the nursing shortage is impacting a lot of people across the country. Um, and some low reimbursement rates mean that there are some people um, who are literally not getting the help they need. That's been true for a number of years. This is not a new story if you're in the home care industry. Um, So first of all, on the nurses strike here in Minneapolis, that's going to affect about 15,000 nurses. Uh, We have 118,000 nurses in the state of Minnesota. So it's not a huge percentage of the nurses who are going on strike here. Uh, Secondly, uh, reimbursement rates for home care and for other types of care that are non-hospital, okay? Uh, the hospitals have, have cash, although they are burning through it a little bit simply because they're paying more than what they should in order to get a basic floor nurse or a critical care nurse or somebody like that. I, right now, I, I have a good friend who's high up in one of the systems here, and he tells me that they're, they're paying any, well over $100 an hour just for a basic floor nurse. Uh, in their hospitals, and they'll pay upwards to 250 an hour for a traveling critical care nurse. Uh, those rates are unsustainable and eat into the uh, operation expenses of any hospital chain. But in home care, uh, nurses are have been woefully underpaid. We just got our first raise in reimbursement rates in seven years. Uh, on January 1st of this year, it was only 7.5%. So um, home care, uh, those who are, are who need nursing in the home are feeling it the most. Uh, there are families who are crying for nurses, and we just can't find any. They're, they're simply not there. Hmm. All right. If you uh, have a son or daughter, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of looking around for something that uh, that they might do, and they have a heart. Um, to serve and um, and they're willing like nursing school would be a great thing to be doing right now all right Bill English and I will be back in just a moment um, let's see we do have a note here on my comment about um, statistically zero is statistically is if it's statistically indistinguishable from zero is it zero Bill English yes or no <laughs> uh if I just take that at face value, I'd say yes. But I think what Wharton, I, I look, I think the president is going to spend more money here. And you know me, I've said this many times on the show, we have inflation because we have too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. And he's going to spend more money, and that's just going to fuel inflation. Yeah, well, I mean, our, and our conversation about a nursing shortage is, I mean, is a part of all of that. So here's what uh, a, a listener texted in. Hey, the chance of life forming on this planet in the form of a single living cell randomly through time, chance, and matter is, well, statistically zero. indistinguishable from zero. Yeah, there you go. I love it. I love the humor out there this morning. Bill English and I will be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We got uh, shrinking congregations in expensive buildings having a very hard time paying for the upkeep. And so they're coming up with creative ways to, you know, allow this sacred space to be used um, in a myriad of ways. Uh, There is a rise of space sharing Um, which allows sanctuaries to be used by others for a fee. Talk with us about sort of the upside and maybe the downside of this um, development. Well, the upside is that on on, on a financial basis, you're bringing more revenue into the ministry, hopefully to keep the ministry going and to keep the the building uh, going as well. Uh, my take on that would be, uh, well, the downside is that you're bringing more revenue into the ministry to keep the building going, and uh, and perhaps the ministry just needs to recognize that it's at a smaller size and that they need to move. Um, I know of a of a, a church here in town in Minneapolis that uh, used to do 3,500 on Sunday morning, so down to. I think around twelve or fourteen hundred now, and that includes their online people, and uh, and so you know, and they have two services, so it's pretty cavernous when you go in there during a Sunday morning service. It's kind of like I visited Robert Schuler's church one time uh, near the end of his ministry, and the TV cameras were there, but there it was really just almost an echo chamber, the the number of people that were not in his sanctuary. Some ministries uh, love to build when they grow. They don't want to downsize when they're getting smaller, but maybe some of these congregations need to do that, need to sell that big building and take on something smaller that their congregation can afford. Yeah, I think that the the other conversation here is once we start um, allowing fee-for-use of a particular space, we don't really get to say what use. I mean, there it's really hard to limit um, the use once you open up your uh, your church to to a fee for use um, site. And well, I, so I, 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 I don't I don't know about that. I think I, I think I think as the owner of the site, you can put all kinds of stipulations on its use. I, I don't know that you're opening it up to too much there. So this gets into the, um, you know, is it, um, well, okay, so a congregation that, let's say, theologically um, only wants a particular um, form of marriage to be performed in their sanctuary, um, but on the fee-for-use site, you know, their sanctuary is being used for art exhibits and cocktail parties, and so it's really hard then to say you can't have um, a particular kind of wedding that we don't that we don't acknowledge or appreciate. I, I mean, I just think that you you run into you walk into you don't yeah well maybe you do run you run into all kinds of challenges but maybe uh, maybe you don't see it that way i don't i don't see it as a public use accommodation 
What I see is that the is that the church is letting others use their space, but the church has every right to um, uh, limit how that space is used. And uh, now, what that means, what that may mean, is that there's not a large demand for their space once they finally put all the restrictions on it, right? But that's that's a different conversation than whether whether somebody can go in and have a cocktail party in a gay wedding in an evangelical church, right? I mean, that's just, that's a different conversation. But an interesting one. All right. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about why people give. I'm looking at um, research from Barna that is um, helping us, you know, make the connection between generosity and and what we really believe. So deeply personal reasons for giving. Um, what are those? Well, the uh, the reasons, um, A, it's because of, of what they believe. It's really part of their persona. Um, and that, you know, I just want to camp on that for just a moment. The older generations see giving more as an act of worship and faith than I think the younger generations do. And so those who have walked with the Lord a long time are, are going to tend to be uh, more often giving and larger givers. Um, the younger generation is going to view giving as supporting a cause. Remember back when we talked about Brand Promise a few yes. years ago? We mm-hmm. talked about that several times. Uh, the younger generation, I think, in their giving also looks for nonprofits that have the Brand Promise. Do they believe what I believe politically? socially, economically, spiritually, those kinds of things. And they're more, um, I won't say discerning, but they're more tribal in their in their giving patterns. And so the who they are piece, I think, is is a um, is different between the older and, and the younger uh, generations. Um, other reasons that people give uh, selflessness, they're driven by compassion. Um, they uh, they like creating an impact on the receiver of the gift, um, and sometimes they give because of it's impactful for the uh, for themselves too. Um, so for some of them, it's a it's a discipline. For others, it's a duty. The scriptures talk about us giving out of a cheerful heart, not out of duty. So those were some of the reasons that was in the Barna article that you cite as to why people give. Um, I'll just say that it's, I, I know you know this, Carmen, it's, it's real giving. It comes from the heart. It's not a transaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote, comes from the heart. I wrote, I wrote the word transactional. I do think that there are, you know, there is the temptation, um, to give because of what I get. Yeah. And, that's that's not the generous. Uh, that's not the spirit of generosity. That's not. I mean, God God doesn't bestow His blessings in order to get something from us. He bestows His blessings because of who He is. And so, if I'm going to be reflective of God in my giving, I'm going to give out of abundance. I'm going to give with great expectation and hope. Um, but I'm going to give out of who I am um, and the overflow of of blessing. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. Um, appreciate the opportunity to reflect with you on it as well. Um, as always, Bill, it's a delight. It's a joy to catch up with you. Thank you so much well, for being you. here. Well, it's always nice to hear your voice. So. Yeah, well, thank you so I much. Suppose, Likewise. You know, I, I suppose I could turn on the radio and listen to you, right, and hear mm-hmm. your voice that way, but mm-hmm. it's not the same. <laughs> 
You could also subscribe to the podcast. So then, yeah, you know, you can listen anytime. Mm-hmm. There you go. Just all and, kinds and of ways. Where, where would I find that podcast and what's the name of it? Well, you should just ask wherever you get your podcast. I mean, it might be it might be Google. It might be. I mean, there's all kinds of places you but you just ask for mornings with Carmen and just subscribe right there. But you can also go to myfaithradio.com and access at any time. Thanks for asking. Yeah, Good you're job. welcome. Good job. You're well welcome. done. Well done. That's Bill English. You can find him at bibleandbusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and you can subscribe to the podcast as well. We'll be right back. We have a listener uh, texting in from the 706 area code reflecting on uh, the earlier conversation I had with Mark Terman um, on the Episcopal Church in Virginia, the diocese in Virginia, committing $10 um, $10 million to reparations. And then the devil's in the details of that. And um, this listener says, I'm a black man born in 1955. And he goes on to share a little bit of his own um, viewpoint and experience related to this. And I want to highlight this portion of the conversation where he talks about responsibility being a two-way road and um, in, a- acknowledges that, you know, post, post-Civil post War, freed citizens did not have access um, to, to the knowledge or the information that might have enabled them to take advantage of all that was, in fact, um, available. Um, and that some thought or some sought to learn while others didn't have the opportunity. Um, We're talking here about personal experience and then that personal experience becoming a familial experience and then that familial experience becoming generational. And so when we try to have conversations where we generalize, I absolutely 100% recognize and appreciate this listener texting in and saying, that's not my experience and that's not my, and that's not my view. So thank you so much for the ongoing, um, very real conversations that we're able to have here. Um, we have to work them out in real relationship, in real time, in real spaces and places. And so, um, you know, $10, $10 million of reparations is ultimately going to mean what for who. Like, that's part of this conversation. And it's not going to, even if those who have voted in this way, imagine it. It's not going to assuage um, any sort of personal guilt. I mean, this is about heart change. Um, This is about who we are and how we understand ourselves and everyone else. Do I see every person as standing on equal footing with me at creation, at the cross, and in the kingdom? Do I actually see people that way? All right, we have so much to cover. All right, um, up next... We're going to talk with a guy who, um, I mean, he failed at his first nine jobs. Mm -hmm. So he failed at his first nine jobs. But then after reading the book of Proverbs, um, he learned some strategies that he's been applying in his life. Um, He is a best-selling author. He has a billion-dollar business. Um, His entrepreneurial journey has uh, has been blessed, and he's used it to fund ministry. He's joining us next to talk about the Joseph Principles. It's his new book, Turning Adversity and Heartache into Miraculous Living. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You got something to say. If you're living, if you're breathing, you got something to say. I almost don't. 
quite know how to introduce Stephen Scott. I kind of want to tell you that, like, he's like a, just a miserable failure. But that seems unkind and not a good way to introduce somebody that people would want to listen to. So he's actually a wildly blessed, successful entrepreneur. But that's because he was a failure. Or I don't know. Stephen, is there a better way to introduce you? By the uh, way, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Carmen. And and no, that's a good introduction. I was a chronic failure. Couldn't succeed for the first uh Six years after college, went through nine jobs. Uh, my best friend, Gary Smalley, got me into the book of Proverbs. I found 15 strategies. And on job number 10, started a little company with a partner and $5,000. And by the time I retired, we had done billions in sales. So uh, book of Proverbs and the strategies in Proverbs uh, get the credit. The Lord gets the credit. Uh, I tell people I'm a Federal Express guy. I don't make the packages. I just deliver them. Uh, God creates the packages, and uh, he's given me great packages to deliver. Amen. And so let's talk today about one of those, this, uh, this really, this gift, the gift of the conversation about the Joseph principles, turning adversity and heartache into miraculous living. It's not just Joseph principles. There's a lot of Jesus principles in here, too. Amen. Uh, the principles are from Joseph. There's 12 principles in his life that are amazing that every believer would love to have in their life, uh, an incredible faith in the sovereign and loving God, uh, uh, tremendous intimacy with God, hearing God's whispers, uh, the ability to forgive the unforgivable, the incredible mm -hmm. qualities. But Joseph never taught us how to have them. Jesus did. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's over 100 statements of Christ in the book. Uh, all of the teachings are based on Jesus' teachings, but those are what bring us into a level of intimacy with God that's not available to us any other way. So I feel like um, at any point along the way, um, you, you could have, like, quit trying. And at any point along the way, Joseph could have just resigned himself to what seemed like uh, a terrible, terrible life. Um, but but you didn't and he didn't. So can you talk about making the alternative choice? Like there is, I, I mean, I remember when my niece and nephew were little and I would plead with them to make a different choice. Um, and so talk with us about making the alternative choice. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, we we do choose and the, and the key, and this is where Christians fell terribly, is the key, one of the keys is learning to live in the moment. Uh, instead of always thinking about what tomorrow holds or what went wrong yesterday, uh, Joseph, if Joseph had plenty of reason to be stuck in the past, I mean, my gosh, the people he mm -hmm. cared about most, uh, threw him into slavery, 300 miles away, family was gone forever. All rights were lost and he could have complained against God to God about everything stuck in the past. His life would have been miserable, and he would have missed God's amazing plan for his life. But he didn't. He maintained this incredible faith, and uh, he never showed us how to, you know, almost every believer that I know at different times has told me, uh, man, I just wish I had more faith. Well, then get more faith. Faith isn't hard to get. You see, faith takes one thing. It takes, number one, knowledge of what Jesus said. Paul rightly said that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? By the word of Christ is what it says in the Greek, not the word of God, it says the word of Christ. And, uh, but 
I will tell you, even Christian leaders that I minister to, by and large, don't know much of what Jesus said. Jesus made 1,900 statements uh, in the four Gospels, and most believers have a hard time recalling 15 or 20 of those, and yet they are the very basis of growing our faith. And when we exercise our faith by doing what Jesus says, empowered by grace, of course, um, it instantly, not 10 years from now, every time we step out on a teaching of Christ, on a promise of Christ, that's a specific promise, not one that we make up, uh, guess what? Our faith grows. And so we have an entire chapter It's on faith in Joseph Principles. It's called uh, uh, God Makes the Deposits and We Write the Checks. And it's how we can use the words of Christ. He made 80 conditional promises. Most believers, even most pastors I, I talk to, can't name 10 of them. And these are promises where he says, if you do this, I'll do that. You do this, the Holy Spirit will do that. You do this, the Father will do that. Well, guess what? They're the basis of walking by faith, and believers don't know what Jesus said. It's so sad that we've missed that. So I think, um, and and again, we're talking with Stephen Scott. We're talking about the Joseph principles. Um, I think, Stephen, that one of the things that I hear people in terms of like the pushback, well, you know, God God doesn't really operate that in, that way anymore. God God doesn't, you know. God's not conditional. He's not, God's love is unconditional, Carmen. Like, how could you how could you begin to say that the conditional things that Jesus said still ring true today? Can you talk about that? Because you you address that in you know God still being in the miracle business, but God's also still in the making good on what Jesus said business. Oh, big time, big time. I I went from atheism to Christianity when I was uh, fifty eight years ago. I was sixteen years old through the ministry of C. S. Lewis. I became a believer. And um, uh, I will tell you, my life is a thread of thousands of miracles. And miracles literally happen every week in my life because I know what to look for. And you see, I've been meditating. If we will meditate, and the Bible teaches this, and, and we teach it in the Joseph Principles, if we begin to meditate on Christ's words, then the Holy Spirit fulfills Jesus' promise. He said, uh, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever things I have said unto you. And you begin, there's a whole chapter on how to hear the whispers of God. Joseph heard them throughout his life. We can hear them daily, literally the whispers of Christ, but we can't do that if we don't meditate on the words of Christ because his promises are about his words, not the Bible in general. Uh, you know, today people have elected Bible study over intimacy with Christ. It's like kind of you go into a restaurant, you're starving, you see this beautiful menu with all the pictures, and you never order the meal. You just, oh, look at that menu. Well, this says I can have my eggs over easy. Look, this says I can add this, bacon to the omelet. Okay, that's where we've been stuck with Bible students, becoming Bible students. Nothing wrong with being a Bible student, but we have replaced intimacy with Christ with Bible study. We've replaced the discipleship with Bible study. So in the Joseph Principles, we show Jesus' recipes and prescriptions for coming into intimacy. God has a love language. Carmen, God actually has a love language that Jesus Christ revealed to his disciples and applied to us. He said anyone, when he was talking about this love language, 
for from us to the Father and to him. And when we use that love language with God, he promised intimacy. I Jesus Christ is my best friend. He's not a religious leader. He's my best mm-hmm. friend. He talks to me every day through the words that he spoke in the Gospels. And I get to talk to him. And I've seen miracles. I, I had two sons with testicular cancer. One was healed miraculously, amazingly. And today, guess what? He's <clears throat> he's <clears throat> he's working on a fellowship in heart surgery uh, mm. and, and has four wonderful children, even though he had devastating cancer, it was gone with a single prayer. It was a mm-hmm. miracle. I mean, they still did surgery, but they didn't find the cancer. I have another mm-hmm. son that got testicular cancer. Guess what? He had surgery and they got the cancer and he's alive and well and works with me in my ministry all the time. So mm-hmm. both are miracles. Okay. Both are miracles. And, and, and we have miracles every day. People don't realize what's available to them because they've accepted a counterfeit. The counterfeit mm-hmm. is being a student rather than a follower of Christ. So in the Joseph principles, for example, we have a whole chapter on God's love language and how you can love God the way Jesus said that the Father and the Son want to be loved. Uh, we do have a chapter, chapter on forgiveness. C.S. Lewis says everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until someone has, until they have something to forgive. And, uh, uh, how can I forgive the unforgivable? How can I forgive people? I don't even want to forgive. Uh, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Sorry. He said that more than once. And mm-hmm. uh, But people have the wrong concept of forgiveness. They think it relates to feelings, emotions, uh, worthiness of the person we're supposed to forgive. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do, and we show that, Jesus gives us this incredible recipe. We look at what the Father did for us at Calvary in Christ, and it makes it easy to forgive. And forgiving isn't emotional. It is, the word literally means to untie, release, and pardon. Doesn't mean I have to uh, reconcile with that person. I've had a counseling ministry for for decades, and I will not counsel somebody that's super abusive or abusive to children to be reconciled with somebody that's trying to protect the children. That's silly, and uh, in fact, it's dangerous. And we Stephen, see. Stephen, we're con- gonna go ahead. We're gonna we gotta take us we gotta take a very very brief break. But let me um, let me ask our listeners this. First of all, we're gonna continue our conversation with Stephen. Okay, Scott, we are talking about the Joseph Principles. I know you're intrigued and engaged. I think I'm going to set it up this way. What is God's love language? Best friend of Gary Smalley is going to tell us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. 
back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. We are continuing our conversation with Stephen Scott. He is the author, among other things, of The Joseph Principles, Turning Adversity and Heartache into Miraculous Living. Um, You said that God has a love language. Maybe you could tell us what it is. Sure. And then I don't want to forget, let's talk about uh, turning off the power of your worry, stress, and fear. We'll get to that after that. But because it's an amazing, amazing uh, thing from Christ. So God's love language is revealed. Jesus reveals to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said, he who has my commands and keeps them. Now he's talking about his words, his teachings, not the law. He who has my commands and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me, my father will love. And I too will love. And here it comes. Here's intimacy. And I will reveal myself manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said unto him, Lord, how are you going to reveal yourself to us? What about the world? And here comes the great news. Anyone, so that's any man, woman, boy, or girl, this is something we can teach our children when they're four years old. Anyone who has my, now he uses the word teachings, my teachings, and keeps them, my father will love him, and we, father and son, will come to him, and now this is in the Eris tense in the Greek, it's glorious, uh, make our continual dwelling place with him. So God promises to pitch a tent. You're in an airplane, he'll pitch his tent there with you. You're on a life raft in the Pacific, he'll pitch his tent there. You're at your house, he'll pitch his tent there. He'll be with you. You have that assurance in a very special way, intimate way. And see what God wants with us, eternal life doesn't start when you're dead. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they might intimately know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God wants intimacy with you, but we don't, until we learn Christ's love language, we don't know how to go about it. And uh, Christ revealed that to the disciples and us at the very last supper. He didn't want them to forget how they were going to have intimacy with him once he ascended and was no longer physically present with them. Can I just say, I love how you love him. Oh, I, my I, I can hear it. I can feel it. I can sense it. It's one thing to read it on the pages of a book. It's another thing to feel it um, through the way you talk so personally about the one you love so deeply. Um, so thank you. You had me at aorist tense. There you go. Oh, okay. Um, well, he, yeah. Yeah. He, you know what? God wants intimacy, and we've accepted the counterfeit a religion called Christianity. Christ didn't come to bring us religion. He came to bring us to the Father. He's the good shepherd. He's been my best friend for 58 years, and he wants Mm -hmm. to be the best friend of any of his sheep that will follow him. We follow him by hearing and doing what Jesus said. Now let's talk about this one chapter, uh, which is turning off the power of your worries, stress, fear. There is something that Jesus commanded in John 4.35, and when we practice it, our fears, our worry, our stress loses all power over us. And when we don't practice, practice it, our mind slips into the future, and all worry, fear, and stress come when our thoughts are in the future. All regrets, sorrow, uh, resentment, bitterness, 
Anger comes when our thoughts are in the past. Even if the past was five minutes ago and the future is what's for lunch. So what Jesus said, he said, do you not say there are four months and then come the harvest? I'm telling you, behold, pay attention, look up. The fields are white unto harvest right now. And he shows us, he gives us three reset buttons that instantly take our minds out of the future, out of the past, and bring us into the present moment. That's where God dwells. He doesn't dwell in our future. He doesn't dwell in our past. He, dwell, he is the I am that I am, not the I will be, not the I was. Most believers are just like the rest of the world when it comes to sorrows, sadness, fear, worry, and Christ tells us, shows us how to, how to change that. So we have a chapter uh, that's all about the reset buttons Christ gives us to come into the moment. The other area, if you don't mind, Carmen, I'd love to touch on, there's so many, many people going through heavy grief right now. Uh, mm -hmm. One friend of our, one of my employees just uh, lost her dad this weekend. Uh, one of my friends had her daughter murdered four weeks ago, uh, mm -hmm. her adult daughter, mother of her two grandchildren. So we have chapter 11, which is really life-changing for anyone. I've had a ministry with people who've lost children for now for almost, I guess, 15 years. And I, I don't seek it out. They just come into my path every year, multiple people who've lost children, the hardest kind of grief. And Jesus doesn't want, he, grief is a godly emotion, but he doesn't want it to be a hijacker of our soul. He mm -hmm. wants to be, be, still be the master of our moments. And grief literally hijacks that thrown in our heart away from Christ. So we have an entire chapter that shows you how you can grieve but not let it become your taskmaster. Because man, when you have a heavy loss, can be a, a marriage goes down the drain, it can be a, a child rejects you, you tend to live in grief and in the mm -hmm. shadow of grief. It becomes your master. Well, we show you what Christ said on how you can take that throne of your heart back and give it right back to God. Not forever, but in the moment you're in. That's where the victory is. All miracles happen in the moment. So we have a chapter on that as well. Yeah, and having that victory um, in the moment and then living in the present and recognizing the reality um, that God is the great I am. Um, Jesus is I am, present tense. Um, those Amen. are all, and, and then living in that moment, um, it just, it, it it's all... It's all woven together so well, um, and again, it's your um, it's your lived reality of uh, of Jesus being your you know your best friend for fifty eight years that just really comes through. So, Stephen, I want to thank you for that. Stephen K. Scott is the author. The Joseph Principles is the book: Turning Adversity and Heartache into Miraculous Living. Stephen, what a joy to talk with you today. Thank you so much. Hey, Carmen. Anytime, even though I had to get up early, you're worth it. I know. So so thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for getting up early. We appreciate it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. She's teaching me a lot on how to have everyday conversations. It's hard to keep up with what's going on in the world and not get upset about it. And she has a way of bringing in the Christian viewpoint without getting riled up and just being able to talk to people. All right. Um, I don't know. Hopefully you are a little riled up. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Right. Um, I do love the opportunity um, to 
talk with you each and every day. So thank you so much for including me in your day. This is listener-supported media. We used to say listener-supported radio because it is listener-supported radio, but it's also listener-supported podcasting and listener-supported um, uh, on-air resources at MyFaithRadio.com and um, listener-supported streaming so we would love it if you would do two things today. First of all, um, start praying with us and for us in relationship to our fall fundraiser, which is going to, coming up in a couple of weeks. And call us and tell us your faith radio story, 877-933-2484. Um, we want to encourage others with your faith radio story, why you listen, what difference it makes in your life, what value add this ministry is to you. Thanks so much. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.